Welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Aura, Lodge, and Intrepid. Now, my guest this week is Kevin Iaquinto. Now, Kevin is the Chief Marketing Officer at Commerce Hub, responsible for the global marketing to drive both brand awareness, build demand and pipeline, and of course, drive that revenue growth. Now, bringing over two decades of SaaS marketing experience to Commerce Hub, Kevin was most recently Chief Marketing Officer at Blue Yonder, the supply chain software category leader. At Blue Yonder, he helped lead a brand and business transformation that resulted in that famous uh, Panasonic acquisition at $7.1 billion, uh, what was a couple of years ago now in 2021. Um, named Marketing Executive of the Year by PR News World, um, he and his team have garnered a host of other industry awards. So, Kevin, welcome. Thank you so much, Paul. Remind me, remind me to hire you as my intro guy at every event I go to. That was well, well done. Thank you. Do you know what? I um I always like to just pop on LinkedIn before uh, I speak to anybody and just sort of check that the intro uh rolls and and uh, holds true. But um yours is a very impressive profile. You you've been up to a lot of things and uh, and and achieved a lot over the years. So uh yeah, uh, go go check Kevin out if you've not already. So uh, yeah, happy to be the intro. That was the really short version because I could have gone on for a good ten minutes there. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. So look, um, you're at, uh, at at Commerce Hub now, um, but one of the things I'm interested in, you know, it's a really, you know, challenging market out there. So we keep reading. But what are the biggest challenges do you think facing brands at the moment? What what are you sort of hearing on the ground? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a commerce hub, just to sort of level set a little bit, you know, we are what what we believe to be the largest e-commerce network, right? So we have more than 40,000 retailers and brands that um, sell uh, products essentially across our, our, our platform and network. Um, some of the biggest retail brands in the world, including Marks and Spencer, Home Depot and Nordstrom, and then you've got some of the biggest suppliers and brands, you know, companies like Nike, Under Armour, uh, Dyson, you know, just to name uh, to name a few. And obviously, um, you know, right now globally, it's a challenging time for for those brands and retailers. Obviously, the pandemic um, was a major boost to obviously all of the e-commerce ordering that was happening around the uh, the globe as everyone was literally trapped inside and starting to order things to their doorstep. However, I think, you know, in a way that ushered in an entire era of digital transformation, you know, as Satya Nadella at Microsoft said, I think we saw enough uh, more digital transformation in the span of like 10 months than we did in the last 10 years, right? And so I think what that's created for the brands and retailers uh, around the globe is an opportunity, right? Um, that, you know, obviously brick and mortar retail sales is never going to completely go away and, and companies are still continuing to use that channel. But with so many Gen Z millennials being digitally native, um, responding and doing so in a way that is that is kind of asset light um, and flexible and, and agile uh, is I think where the future, you know, is going. And so what we're seeing is the, the challenges are how do you capture that customer uh, at the time that you want that they are in uh, market for your products? Because right now they could be literally shopping across hundreds of different channels, everything from TikTok to Instagram, Facebook to on you know, customers' websites and directly engaging with the brands themselves on their website, right? So the challenge is how do you thread that opportunity across those different channels and do so in a way that is profitable to your business because it can be obviously uh, 
costly to both advertise and sort of get your brand in front of those those consumers across those multi-channels. So I think a lot of it boils down to growth, speed, efficiency, and doing it all with hopefully less risk to your business. But the name of the game right now is sell more faster. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned there, you know, the sort of the the digital awareness, if you like, of the new consumers. It reminded um, my boys are 10 and 11. And um, yesterday they asked me, uh, we were driving along, um, Daddy, what's that? And I looked up and that, no, that black thing, uh, I was confused completely. And they were pointing at a satellite dish on the side of the house. Um, and, and, you know, and it was only a short while ago, we were getting our TV signals beamed into the house and it was still arriving on that big box. Um, they have TVs in their bedroom, but they are not connected to TV channels. You know, they're connected to YouTube and, and TikTok comes on. So the speed is just phenomenal, isn't it? And, you know, having, you know, an, an opportunity to reach those and, you know, using commerce of others, it, it's just phenomenal what's going on. But you mentioned something there called Asset Light, and I've heard you talk about this before, but is, is this the, the kind of model you think? So, you know, explain to me what that is. And as a retailer, you know, what, what does it mean? Yeah, you know, I think asset light means, hey, how can we offer uh, more products, but do so in a way that is uh, light to our business in terms of the costs associated with it, right? In traditional, you know, I come from a supply chain and logistics background, the traditional model was, hey, we'll, we'll purchase a bunch of inventory from suppliers, we'll um, host it in our stores, um, we'll host it in a warehouse, right? And we'll hope that uh, we sell enough of this inventory that we don't end up needing to discount it or, uh, God forbid, end up burning inventory, right, at some point um, where we literally have to, to dump it um, at some point, right? Uh, that was the traditional business model of sort of 10, 20 years ago. Today, the question is, how can I, how can I offer more curated products uh, and perhaps uh, a greater supply of products that could be of interest to my consumers, but do so in a way that to the business is kind of a light business model. And so that's where the game is being played today. And that involves things like dropship, uh, private marketplace offerings, all of these kind of almost virtual inventory offerings where I'm offering you as the consumer more products, but I actually don't have the inventory on hand. I'm doing it in partnership with my brands and suppliers where they may, they may actually do the fulfillment uh, for me as the retailer and, um, and I'm helping to direct traffic essentially in that way. In some cases, I'm fulfilling the order myself. In other cases, it's being fulfilled by the brand and supplier in kind of that asset light way. And it's kind of a shared model versus um, the traditional approach, which may have been we own the inventory, uh, we purchase it from the brands and suppliers, and now uh, we're selling it through our channel, right? So I think I think whether you're brand or, or retailer, each of them are looking for more of this flexible, agile approach where they can sort of share risk um, to some degree and, and, and also offer um, more curated products to the consumers, right? More specific products that the consumers are looking for versus kind of an endless aisle. Yeah, it is fascinating, isn't it? That whole kind of, um, you know, this sort of niche, niche approach of sort of just producing it when it's ordered. You know, it seemed for a while it was sort of on the periphery of, 
you know, e-commerce, but it's come more and more into the mainstream and the bigger brands adopting it to, to become lean. But, you know, if, if, a, if I'm adopting this brand, how do you think that's going to sort of help mitigate risks and, you know, be reactive to challenges in the market? Is it is it, you know, the way to go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about capturing the consumer at the time that they want it, right? Um, a lot of what, as we all experienced during the pandemic, you know, one of the biggest problems that happened during the pandemic were all of the out-of-stocks that happened as people were trying to either order furniture, perhaps a new hot tub or something for their backyard, whatever it might be, right? But everybody was endlessly sort of ordering things for their homes, right, as they spent more and more time in the house, Um I think now, you know, and we all live through this, if you're browsing, you know, uh, on Instagram or Facebook, or if you're on TikTok or other places, you're being served up advertising, right? That is, perhaps you just searched on a hotel, you're now seeing ads for the hotel or or the area that you're interested in searching for. Or if you looked at a shirt, perhaps now you're starting to see competitive ads that are served up to you as well. And I think a lot of where we're helping our customers is, is both through that sort of integrated listing, uh, in some cases advertising, um, and then inventory at the same time, so that if I'm offering Paul uh, a particular brand of shirt, um, when you come to the website that we're actually ensuring that that shirt is in stock, um, and there's an intelligence there to the fact that we're offering you that shirt at a time when you can actually go and order it, and perhaps we'll pull back on the advertising if we're starting to see uh, inventory issues, right? So that's how dynamic now the world is being run and that you can actually integrate your inventory and your advertising at the same time. Uh, that is a big uh, part of, I think, where where the market's heading. It's interesting, right? Amazon was built on a business where, hey, you could get anything at any time. Uh, it could be delivered to you in minutes and days, not, not, day, not weeks and months. Um, but the interesting thing is that the real profitability part of Amazon's business is all around their advertising, right? Um, hugely a, a profitable advertising business. And a lot of where we're starting to see, you know, companies heading towards is the brands are trying to come up with uh, an advertising strategy that allows them to put things at the top of marketplaces and retailers lists. Uh, and retailers are also looking at that as a potential new business model for themselves as well. So it's about you know, perhaps new business models that allow them to broaden the ways that they can also um, make profits, make revenue. Um, and so we're seeing, you know, as part of our offerings, not only the opportunity to list your products, but to advertise them in a more nimble, uh, more effective way. And I think that integration of inventory availability and advertising is going to be sort of the way of the future. It is interesting, as you were describing that there, I was taken back uh, probably 30 years ago in the grocery business and you talk about that placement and we would sell space on the eye level shelf in the supermarket to the brands so you know fast forward we're now doing that in a in an online space uh, I mean it was very clunky because we'd sell it for a month you'd buy a huge amount of stock in the hope that you'd you'd sell it you'd taken the the cash from the supplier and it wasn't necessarily what the consumer wanted to see it was who wanted to pay the most money for that that eye level positioning at the time? It's far more reactive now, but interesting that we're now seeing that in a in a digital space when for years it was kind of done in a more clunky way in a in a physical store. So yeah, it was a little bit trying to yeah, absolutely a little bit more linear and and even in the UK, right? I know that they've started to introduce things like digital pricing in some of the aisles, right, where it can be sort of dynamic 
pricing versus, hey, the sticker says like 219, you know, um, uh, if suddenly there's a run on eggs or something like that, right? How can you start to maybe adjust the pricing where it's now 259 versus 219 um, and, and you can manage it in that way. Similar in an online world, I think there's incredible opportunity to sort of marry artificial intelligence with uh, things like inventory availability and advertising to really um, make the shopping experience um, smarter, right? And and fulfill on consumers' expectations in the time and place that they want it. So huge opportunity. I think we're really just at the at the beginning of the stages there and, and down the road, this will become commonplace. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3x logic. Sort of you know, the asset light models that we've got, you know, what types of models are your clients implementing? I mean, is there choices? And you know, and beyond that, do you see this approach sort of cascading out across the whole e-com landscape? Is it universal? Yeah, I mean, uh, we believe so. And, and you know, Commerce Hub was built um, with sort of this dropship legacy, which was kind of hosting virtual inventory. That's now expanded to things like hosting private marketplaces where there's almost like a hybrid model where a company like Walmart can offer, you know, a, a private marketplace, a public marketplace, dropship inventory capabilities and and everything sort of in between, right? So inevitably what we're starting to see are sort of uh, things colliding where brands are offering multi uh, multiple channels to kind of shop on um and and you know engage with them um and you know if uh, and doing so in a way that's that's profitable at the same time um so that they can offer um suppliers uh you know different channels to promote their products on and do it and do it in a way that is hopefully rather self-serve, right? So that the brands can sort of set up shop for themselves on multiple channels um, and kind of point and click their way to doing that so that uh, they can test different channels and see which ones are the most profitable for them. A lot of where we're helping customers is really in that marketplace expansion. A lot of customers come to us and perhaps want to list on like one or two different channels, not surprisingly, Amazon perhaps being the first, but in the UK, Zalando being a big option um, as well. But part of where our value proposition exists for those brands and suppliers is enabling them to use our network to both um, grow the number of marketplaces that they can offer their, their products on. And so they may start with one or two, they may be serving up on seven or eight by the time a year or two is over. And that helps to grow their business. It helps them get more eyeballs. It helps them expose their products to more uh, customers and potential customers, and hopefully ends up um, leading to growth for their business, right? Um, but does so in a way that they can manage it effectively using our network versus having to do it all themselves and saying, okay, now I wanna offer my products on this particular platform and I've gotta go there and set it up myself and I've gotta manage all of that. I've gotta try to do it through multiple systems or spreadsheets we offer that that ability to aggregate it at scale so so there's all the i mean i get all the advantages uh and you know it's a compelling argument but there's just you and i talking now kevin nobody else is listening so so what are the disadvantages what what 
why wouldn't I do this? What, what would I need to be aware of? Yeah, I think, look, part of it becomes, you know, are you just exposed uh, and are you, are you investing, you know, in areas where it's not going to be profitable, right? So I think a lot of what we're trying to um, curate for a lot of these brands and suppliers is who's going to be potentially the most profitable channel for them. And can we start to use things like AI in a predictive type way to say, hey, you've been successful on this channel, you'll now be successful on this channel in almost an advisory capacity. Um, and the same for retailers, right? Like if we're seeing certain uh, suppliers being successful on other channels, we might be able to suggest that that to certain retailers, those products uh, and suppliers will be, will be um, beneficial uh, to their channels uh, as well. So that curated sort of advisory service is, is, uh, is something that we're starting to bring to market. The challenge is, is that, you know, uh, the complexity, right, um, for some of the suppliers, depending on their size, might just be too much to manage, right? And there's obviously an initial cost that comes with setting up your, your, yourself on these marketplaces. Um, but, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do is mitigate that through managed services, right? Uh, in some cases, com companies are trying to do it themselves in a self-serve way, and they might just be too small to kind of do it in a way that um, that they can manage. We, we hopefully offer them services where they can come to us and we can help manage it for them, right? And take some of the complexity out of it. I think a lot of times, those customers think they can do it themselves, but then they realize, oh my God, this is just way too much for me to manage with a team of one to two that are trying to do this across um, multiple marketplaces. And that's where they can get into trouble sometimes, but we hopefully offer them a solution uh, to help them manage out of that complexity. So, so do you get the, uh, the phone call when somebody's um, uh, made a start and they've realized that it's, it needs a level of expertise they don't have? Or do you try to get do you get in at the ground level? I'm just interested, or is it people have made a start and it's not gone so great and it's like, okay, Kevin, come and help me out? I think we get a little bit of both. I think we get some of the referrals, right, where they've, where they've talked to other businesses like them and they've said, hey, we've been able to use Commerce Hub slash Channel Advisor uh, in a way that uh, works for our business and that word of mouth referral will go to them and, and they'll find us through sort of those means because they'll talk with other suppliers at at conferences or other things or online um, and get those sort of uh, offerings as well. I think some of what we also see sometimes is, um, you know, companies will use us for a year or two and then they'll think like, okay, I can actually manage this on my own. And maybe they'll, they'll cancel the contract and suddenly um, try to do it themselves. In a lot of cases, what we start to see is those customers coming back to us saying like, we thought we thought we could do it, but we can't. Right. And so now we're back. Uh, and can we talk to you again about taking this back over, right? Some some end up being you know successful perhaps with doing it themselves, depending on how much they invest in the business. But again, we're trying to be sort of asset light in that way that we think we can help you do it in a way that probably is more profitable for you versus investing um, in teams to do this for yourself and investing in the headcount that it would take to do this effectively, right? So So we see it a little bit of both ways. So, so I get how you're supporting people that go down this asset light mode. Um, you know, the 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 background to the shift post pandemic makes sense, and that was a big driving factor. You've touched on some of the brands uh, and sectors that have sort of embraced the system, but what's the sort of the where does the risk come in? Because there's always a risk that that comes in. Yes, maybe we're 
we've got less stock. But am I exposing myself to a different set of risks by going down this route? I mean, what 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 would my risk director be saying to me when I said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go down the commerce hub route? What 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 sort of gets flagged up? Well, I think you know, other than hey, this is a this is an investment, right, in software, and it's a subscription, you know, type model of like, hey, we're uh, you know we're getting in, we're locking ourselves into a year or two type commitment. You know, that's that ends up obviously it's, there's a purchase uh, involved that ends up being sort of a risk associated with it. But we actually think that we take a lot of the risk out of the process for these brands that that by joining this network, we're we're actually enabling them to get their products uh, in front of more eyeballs in in a more seamless, frictionless way than they could possibly do it themselves. So we believe our value proposition is uh, is enabling those companies to grow in a way that is less risky than perhaps trying to do it themselves, right? Um, and so, and I think that's proved out over time. And that's one of the reasons why we've got more than 40,000 suppliers on, on our network, right? So the, the power of the platform to some degree uh, is built in when you look at the number of sheer number of companies that are doing business across our channel uh, and others. We give access to over 420 marketplaces almost instantaneously from the time that you join us, right? So to go and do that yourself, we think that that, that is where the risk um, is, is perhaps you know seen more acutely, which is how do I do this? How do I scale? My business beyond an Amazon or a Zolando in a way that's that's effective. So we actually position ourselves as um, a less risky alternative. There's obviously other competitors and others that offer similar types of access to network, but no one we think has the sheer size and scale that we do, which is part of the reason why people uh, come back to us and search for us by name. And and I guess the answer to this is going to be yes, I'd expect. But you know, people that come on to the platform. Are we seeing an increase in brand awareness and profitability because you're going to enable me to go on lots of platforms using this asset light model? Is that really one of your main selling points? You go, okay, 90% of our 40,000, 95, maybe even 100% see this as part of their, their business. Is that really a major selling point as well, do you think? That's a selling point. I think the other piece um, that we offer, which is kind of unique to our business, is this ability to advertise on top of it, right? So the challenge becomes if you're in a sea of suppliers and a sea of products and you're now adding yours, like how do I get noticed versus the rest, right? We offer through retail media an opportunity to say, okay, I want to advertise a little bit and make sure through digital marketing means that my my products are seen above uh, everyone else's. I think everyone is familiar with kind of the Amazon model that when you search for a particular product, you're seeing those sponsored ads right first above the more organic opportunities. That is the future of like, how do I, how do I get myself in that considered mix? Um, and we offer kind of a one-stop shop to do that, whether it's through retail media, or we also offer digital marketing services as well. Not a lot of people know that we actually have a 500 million, we serve up over 500 million worth of ads across our network, um, which is SEM, paid SEM type ads that we curate for some of the brands and retailers that use our network. Um, again, we think that's um, perhaps a less risky approach because you're only basically you know, seeing um, your ads succeed if you actually sell products, if there's actual click-throughs and conversions that are happening as part of that 
Um, and so that's, uh, again, one way of taking the risk out of it versus, okay, now I'm just exposing my, my products out there, but I don't know if anybody's seeing them. Um, and they've now been up on this marketplace for six months and I haven't gotten a single order as of yet, right? So that's the potential downside risk, but we offer solutions that hopefully can help you overcome that risk. And so we think, you know, through that way, we help take, there's a lot of options to help taking risk out of the equation. It's just, uh, I think in our case, it's exposing our customers to all of the, the different ways that they can use us. In some cases, they just think we're a listing service and they're not aware perhaps of the advertising opportunities that we offer. And that's, as the head of marketing, that's part of my job is to make sure that they understand the totality of the offerings. Yeah, and I'm not sure I necessarily grasped that that was part of the uh, the arsenal as well. So, But I have to ask then, so you touched on digital marketing and the retail media. What what role do you think that plays? You know, does, Is that something everybody needs to embrace now in the market? Yeah, I think back to your point um, of your kids not watching television, I saw, um, saw an article the other day that um, you know, they expected retail media to perhaps take up to 40% of retailers' budgets um, in the future by, by maybe 2028, right? I'd say it's in the early stages, again, of adoption, but much like your kids not watching television anymore or perhaps asking you, like, what a billboard ad looks like or things like that, we think that this is going to be a huge opportunity um, in the future for both brands and retailers to embrace and obviously look at what it's done for the Amazons of the world, right? That um, it's a hugely profitable um, new business model for these brands to sort of uh, to adopt. And it's the digitally native way that Gen Z and millennials are used to, to interacting essentially with brands and, and seeing an ad at the right point in time and then saying, okay, I'm gonna click on that, see if I wanna buy this particular product and then move from there. So again, we're in the beginning stages of it, but I think this will become more commonplace in five, 10 years from now that this will be the way that, that consumers and brands are engaging um, with, uh, you know, with uh, the consumer. Yeah, it is fascinating, isn't it? You know, that whole interaction, as I remind you again, my 10 year old sitting down at my laptop and just prodding the screen and being completely confused that it wasn't a touch screen or not getting the concept of sitting down to watch a movie in the same way. You're right. This information is going to be served in a completely different format, isn't it? And it's just going to make a, a monumental shift in the in the advertising landscape. Yeah, completely different way of consuming. I'm off a recent trip to Greece with my kids and they never turned on the television in the entire time that we were staying at the hotels, right? So this whole traditional model of, oh, I got to do television advertising, right, to get in front of folks uh, is just not going to be the reality, right? Instead, it was all, all of the time on their phones and iPads and computers and that in terms of advertising and also then tying it to product availability and inventory and on through to to things like returns and how do you how do you optimize the entire journey from the time I'm going to market to you to sell to you to fulfill your order to return that'll all be digitally enabled and basically through one platform that you'll be able to to manage all of that as a brand or retailer that is really where the future is going to be uh, you know, a monumental shift and so exciting isn't it i mean this this reminds us why you know, retail is just you know, the most dynamic environment to be in. It is just phenomenal. Um, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to speak with you. Your uh, insight and knowledge is fascinating. Um, I resist the temptation to do a three-hour podcast recording today. Or I'll pick your brains further. But for now, Kevin, thank you so much indeed 
for taking the time to join me and uh, hopefully we'll speak again soon. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul, so much. Look forward to seeing you the next time I'm in the UK.